Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please also consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So our topic today is, should my business align with a cause? And I was brought to thinking about this topic because um, it was either late last year or early this year. I think it was, I think it was late last year. Um, you know, I observed Nike pretty much going all in with the Colin Kaepernick scenario with, with the NFL. And I'm not going to comment specifically on, on, on that matter. Um, but I did make an observation on social media that um, it, it struck me that if I were a shareholder of Nike, I would at least like to know in advance if a company in which I was invested was going to take a polarizing or potentially polarizing position like that. Um, and, and I think I was kind of, uh, motivated in that, in that viewpoint by the fact that there was a, a pretty demonstrative response by what turned out to be a very small minority of customers. Uh, and that demonstrative response is everything from burning shoes to tearing up, sweatshirts and whatever it is else that, that Nike sells. Um, uh, and, and it, it, you know, and quite frankly, most people who looked at that on social media said, Blake, you're dead wrong. I said, we'll see. And, and, you know, to a couple of my friends credit, they actually went out and bought Nike stock. So I got to give them credit. They put their money where their mouth was. And, uh, well, you, you can see the history for yourself. Nike is still around. They are doing fantastically. Their stock has has never been at a higher level, I believe. I think they had one of their best years ever in terms of return uh, on on that stock. And uh, clearly, uh, I was wrong about that. And I owned up on that on social media. Imagine that somebody saying they were wrong on social media. But it, you know, the facts are the facts. Uh, and as Bill Gates likes to say, success is a lousy teacher. So I had a great teacher and failure there. But it led me to sort of think about, you know, what. What goes into the process of a Nike when they decide that they're going to support, in their case, a polarizing cause? Not all causes are polarizing. There's, there are many causes we can all get behind, whether it's the, the, the United States Olympic movement, whether it is fighting cancer, whether it is stopping human trafficking. Right? Not, not every single cause that people believe in is a polarizing one. Uh, but nevertheless, there is a, uh, there's also a viewpoint, and Warren Buffett, I think, would agree with this because he's written about this, that you know, it's really not companies' business to engage in causes at all, that a business should be in, in the business of generating return for its shareholders. And if shareholders then want to take their returns and use that to support a cause, then they should do that, and that's how the economics should work. And, and again, I'm not going to necessarily debate 
that directly, but I want to put that out there that that is a, a, a widely held view by a person who's been pretty successful at this whole business thing. And so that kind of sets the stage as a platform for today's discussion because my bringing this on social media showed me very clearly that this, you know, I, there's something more that, that I can understand. And, and many of you who are in business may be thinking the same thing about, uh, you know, is there an opportunity for me to align with a, uh, a cause, an organization of some kind? Um, is that the right thing to do? How do I kind of figure that out? And uh, I'm not qualified to talk about that, but I have somebody here in the studio who is very qualified to talk about that. And joining us today is Molly Ray, founder and president of Form Momentum, a cause marketing agency here in Atlanta. When Molly founded Form Momentum in 2003, she recognized that she was leading one of very few agencies that specialized in cause marketing. I think that's still true today. Since then, as cause-related marketing and corporate social responsibility have grown to a $2.6 billion industry, Form Momentum has grown into one of the leading cause marketing firms in the United States, and, and they're doing fantastic. Through her work in nonprofit development, brand marketing, and cause marketing, Molly has acquired a unique 360-degree perspective of what fosters success in strategic cause partnerships. In her over 25 years in the field, she has created and executed cause engagement and marketing programs, strategic fundraising campaigns, and organizational development strategies for dozens of nonprofit organizations and hundreds of brands, including the American Cancer Society, Boys and Girls Clubs of America, Habitat for Humanity International, Intercontinental Hotels Group, Lane Bryant, and Novartis, to name a few. She is a graduate of the Leadership Atlanta class of 2012. And by the way, that's the second best class ever. <laughs> you have to be an insider of Leadership Atlanta to get that joke, but I was class of 2014. And I did not know that about you. Um, she sits on a bunch of nonprofit boards and holds a bachelor's degree in economics and psychology from William and Mary. Uh, from William and Mary. Um, Molly, thanks so much for coming on the program. Well, thanks so much for having me, Michael. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And wow, what a provocative promotion you started the discussion with. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you, you, you got to do something uh, attention grabbing to get attention on social media, right? So right. Um, and and what's what's nice about that is that I learned something and it made me think more about this topic. So thanks for coming in to, to talk. I don't think I'm the only person that's thinking about this question, right? The fact that you have the thriving business you have, I think is exhibit A, that this is a topic that's of, of a lot of interest, but it's not a cut and dried one. So why don't we dive into it? So let, let's, what I like to do with a, with a podcast is sort of set our vocabulary. When we talk about cause marketing, what does that mean? Well, I'm really glad you started with that because so many people in my experience come to that term with a different point of view. And so I think it's really important to lay that groundwork right from the get-go. So I've been doing this uh, type of work for a very, very long time. And back in the olden days, it was called corporate relations or <laughs> something like that. Um, and it's really the practice by which a company is supporting a nonprofit um, as a part of their business practices. And I, I really encourage the listeners today to take a more open-minded viewpoint to realize that that can bring many different 
that can come to life in many different ways. So some of the terminology that you hear, you know, bandied about, you know, corporate relations, community relations, um, cause marketing, strategic philanthropy. But these days, a, a really popular term, which kind of plays off of the story you told, is social impact marketing. And so uh, companies today are looking to really engage um, in generating impact into our society as a as a side part of their business, but as a primary part of their business as well. So some people think of cause marketing as, you know, I'm going to buy this bottle of water and 10 cents is going to go to a charity. That is one type of cause marketing. It's a very specific type called commercial co-venture, and we can talk about that more later. But also different types of cause marketing, I would argue, would be, you know, the Nike the Nike program that you talked about, um, other campaigns, even an employee engagement these days in terms of really getting your employees involved in making a difference on a social issue. So it's a very broad landscape that we're talking about. So a question comes up, and and, and I apologize, I'm going off the script right away, um, but but I think it's I, I I just got to get your answer on this because I think it's so interesting. Um, yeah. In recent months, we've seen a number of companies pull back in terms of their willingness to sell firearms and firearm ammunition supplies and so forth. Mm-hmm. Is that a kind of cause marketing in your in your mind? In my mind, yes. Okay. I, mean, I, I, I put those into the same landscape, okay. right? So again, cause marketing itself might be one term within this landscape, but it's the most commonly used term. Okay. So I think, um, in fact, I was going to bring up that example based on what you said, you know, about the Colin Kaepernick Nike campaign. Um, you know, there are a variety of societal issues where companies are starting to make a difference through their business decisions, whether to sell something. Um, there's a local um, firm called Cabbage that makes business loans and they will no longer loan to anybody who's in ammunitions oh, really? okay. type of business. So okay. there's things like that. So I think that is those sorts of deep integrated business decisions are more of the recent trend we're seeing in this landscape. Um, but you do have to be very careful. And I, I want to say back, I think that we can continue to use this Nike example as a, a grounding uh, case study, if you will. They did lose a segment of their customers. You know, their overall numbers went up, but there was a segment, just like there was a strong segment who spoke out against it and burned things. And then there was, you know, on the other end, strong, uh, you know, affiliation with it. Um, You have to really understand your customer base and not make those decisions based on your personal opinions, but really take into account the community that you serve if you want to make sure that you aren't having the uh, you know the the tail wag the dog, so to speak. You know? Yeah, and 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 that's a great point that that I, I think we're going to get back to. But it does it does bear emphasizing that you know cause marketing for its own sake may or may not be a great thing. But it sounds like an integral part of that of that notion is make sure you understand who your target market is. Right, right? and it, it may not be necessarily the target market that. I, as a CEO or board or decision maker, chief marketing officer, thinks is the right cause, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So why should it – so again, using the Nike as sort of the platform for this discussion, there was some risk there, I think. Now, it turned out well for Nike, great for them, right? But why should it you know, 
because of that risk, why should a company consider taking that risk and embarking on a cause marketing campaign? Yeah. And you know what? I think I want to interject here a, a different example because I don't want the listener to think of that as the the guiding light of an example yeah, because it's an extreme example. Yeah, please. Um, so, you know, there are many, many ways that companies can support nonprofits, um, you know, strict sponsorship of events or activities, things like that. They can get behind a campaign that is going to raise funds or awareness for uh, an issue that isn't, isn't controversial and doesn't change their business model, but is more of a, a programmatic way that they can that they can support. So let's talk about some of those more standardized types of, of campaigns because I I don't want the listener to be frightened that oh it's got to be this big yep. extreme you know, extreme thing. So let's talk about the business benefits of a, a company supporting a social impact or a nonprofit mission. Um, you know, either space. Um, often they're very interlinked. There are clear and documented benefits to a company for this type of marketing behavior. And they are things like increased sales, um, heightened PR, uh, heightened awareness of the company and positive awareness of a company. So there are a lot of great business benefits. Um, but what I also want listeners to know is that, you know, in the trends in this space, an increasingly um, important target audience is your employee base. Because today our, our, Unemployment rates are very, very low. Um, the cost of finding a good candidate and retaining a good employee are real costs that we have to be very careful about. And there's a mounting amount of evidence that cause marketing or a company's support of the local community is a pr- positive differentiator for job selection. And that when when employees join a company that they feel is doing good things in the community, they're more likely to be engaged and they're more likely to stay employed with that company. So why should a company consider cause marketing? Lots of different reasons. It could be PR. It could be HR. You know, and, and I want to underscore that point as well. You know, marketing – when many of us think of marketing, frankly, myself included, we think about an outward message, right? Mm-hmm. How do we get – more customers, how do we get the customers we have to love us more, buy more from us, and so forth. But you're right, there is a marketing there is a marketing element internally, right? To make the your employees and your associates feel great about where they are. Because at the end of the day, raising salaries can only take you so far. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's you know part of the overall compensation package is psychic income, right? And so you want to feel good about the work you're doing and you want to feel good about the company that you're working for. And this is becoming you know we 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 hear a lot about millennials, you know, we're starting to hear now more statistics from the Gen Z population. Yep. But these younger cohorts are absolutely motivated by community impact. And so, you know, uh, you know, it's it's becoming more and more important as companies want to attract those younger talent. And and that's been a that's been a something of an adaptation for uh for Gen Xers like myself, right? The Gen Xers are, are the I think the last of the of the kind of the the old school workforce where just put your head down, get in your hours, do your thing and and you know, get in and get out. And that's an adaptation outlook that that my generation has had to change, mm-hmm. right? Because if we try to if if we try to treat our our workforce 
in a Gen X way, we're not going to have a workforce very long, or at least not one with which we're very happy. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> so it sounds like you, you segue again very nicely into the next question, which is it sounds like there's evidence that cause marketing does have a positive impact on company performance. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are an increasing number of studies out there. The most common are from uh, an, an agency called Cone, C-O-N-E. And if readers are interested, you can certainly Google that and you will find all sorts of different studies on this topic. But um, I like to cite more resources than just the primary one, because I think sometimes we can get into a rut or a routine. And I think their work is fantastic. I'm not no not dissing that right. at all. I follow that. But, you know, we've been able to find many, many other sources of, of information that, that point to and the validity of this notion. I also want to point out that there are increasing numbers of corporate associations focused on this topic. One of those is the Committee to Encourage Corporate Philanthropy, CECP. Um, and they are a, um, a group of CEOs of large organizations that very much track the benefits of this type of investment because this is not just a you know flash in the pan idea this is something they realize they have to pay a lot of attention to and according to CECP 87% of companies are now measuring and tracking societal outcomes and using that data to inform their program development and 80% of those same corporate leaders think that it they, they believe that it is enhancing customer loyalty, and 89% of them feel that it's enhancing collective purpose amongst their employees. So those are just some of the types of statistics. I could go on and on. I don't I don't want to do that because probably a lot of your listeners are driving, and I don't want them to fall asleep. But you know, on our website at For Momentum, we have a variety of resources. We compile this type of research all the time because we're in it you know, 365. So free downloadable tidbits are there if your listeners want to go and download those. Um, well, yeah, perfect. It's, it's, it's all about data nowadays. Um, so um, let's, let's shift gears then a little bit. So let, let's, let's say the, one of those driving listeners now is saying, you know what, this cause marketing thing is something I ought to pay more attention to. I think the next obvious question to, to my mind is, you know, is my company a good fit for it, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a profile of a company that is a good or a best fit for cause marketing as opposed to maybe a company that isn't as good a fit? Mm. Yes and no. I mean, I think that there are some companies that um – you know, have an easier footprint into the community. So like a retailer, you know, where they can really, you know, engage. Would you like to add a dollar? Would you like to make a donation and get a bounce back coupon? Things like that. They're, they have a natural affinity. But what I like to say is that when you, whoever you are as a company, when you are looking at putting your toe in the water on this, think about what companies or what nonprofits, rather, what social impact mission is going to advance your business and what is the right footprint for you. So if I am a local, um, if I'm a local company based in Atlanta, Georgia, and my footprint is 100% Atlanta, Georgia, I probably want to pick a comparative nonprofit that impacts that same geographic space. So, you know, I, I need to find someone who's like-minded, like-sized, you know, and, and find the right match for me. So I'm not, I'm not as my company is not going to compete with what Nike is doing right. you know, because I don't have the same profile or footprint. Right. 
Um, so I, I really think it can be any any type of company, but with the right connection to a cause that makes sense. And another thing I want to point out about that is that sometimes uh, companies fall into a a natural rut where they just want to pick something that they care about individually. So, you know, I'm going to support, you know, something that matters to me individually, but it has no tie to their brand whatsoever. That's confusing to the consumer and confusing to the employees, frankly, because it, it needs to be a charitable choice that matches. I call it the three second rule. It's like, Oh, I understand why this restaurant is supporting hunger issues because they're both about food, you know, or something basic like that. But that can really enhance the validity of, of the campaign when there's a natural fit between the brands. It's almost like a joke. The second you have to explain it, you're done. Right. right? The joke <laughs> is just never going to have the impact. That's right. Um, so, um, One thing that kind of strikes me about cause marketing is that you're trying to find a partner. You need a partner probably in some constraints. I guess you could have a completely unidirectional cause marketing but I don't th- campaign. I don't think that's what you're all about. Um, what is the role of the partner, the nonprofit or philanthropic partner in the cause marketing relationship? Yeah. So actually I want to go back and talk about what you just said, okay. which is that – you know, it doesn't make sense for it to be unidirectional. But in fact, that is one of the trends we're seeing, which I am really sad about. <laughs> you know, I think it's there are a lot of companies that have decided to do their own. They've picked their own issue and they're going to create their own solution to it. You know, and some companies can do that. I mean, they have enough wherewithal to really, you know, to go in there. Uh, I'm a big proponent that if there is a nonprofit that is working in that issue space, Find a way to work with them because it, it does help to bring multiple voices to an issue and not not later get um, maybe accused of self-dealing or, you know, something that's self-serving. Um, there are many, many benefits that the nonprofit can bring to the partnership table. Um, and you have to have a really uh, robust business discussion about that. So it's really important to um, – to find a partner who is going to match your business objectives. So, for example, the nonprofit partner brings, first of all, an expertise into the issue space that, 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 that you are wanting to address. They live in this space 24-7, so they should be bringing some special expertise. With that comes connections with stakeholders and opinion leaders in the space. They bring a, a level of awareness, a level of authenticity. They can bring marketing benefits. They have followers. They may have um, social media following or they may have, you know, donors, constituents. So they do have their own audience that they can bring to the to the marketing equation. You know, that that unilateral element brings to mind something that just came up uh, in the news. Uh, Apple just announced they're going to put, I think, two billion dollars into building housing in Silicon Valley Mm. because California has a massive housing problem. Basically their own employees cannot afford to live in the state. Right. (laughs) Facebook is doing something, doing something similar. And what struck me about that was, you know, I I don't know that necessarily building houses is the answer. And I hope that it wasn't clear from what I read that they're partnering with anybody, but you know, perhaps they should be. I certainly hope that they are because Apple is not in the, the multifamily real estate business, as far as I'm aware, right? And simply building houses may not be the issue, right? In my view, I think the issue is most likely zoning or something of that nature that 
prevents homes from being built um, where they ought to be built. And it'd be it'd be interesting it'll be interesting to see how that the Apple initiative unfolds, right? Because they're clearly targeting a cause somewhat self-serving, but I, I, that's okay um, because there is a collateral good that's coming out of it. But it'd be interesting to see if that winds up being part of a partnership or not. Right now, it's not clear. Yeah, and I don't know because I haven't studied that particular topic, but I do know of many nonprofit players that could be excellent in that space. You know, community, I think it's called Community Enterprise Partners that we did some work with a few years ago, whose mission is to to talk about the fact with the increasing amounts of rent in key cities and how people can't can't afford to live in the places where we need them to. So they obviously are are working in this space 24/7 and at least could bring thought leadership to that process. So that's a great example, Michael, where I hope that whatever the issue is, I think it's it's imperative that companies look to others in the space to see what they can learn before they go running down a path, you know, without without all the information available. So let's say we, we go through some process, we we identify that nonprofit partner. You know, what are some of the typical contributions a nonprofit partner makes to that relationship? So again, it, it depends on, on the nature of the relationship. It can be extremely directed. It could be that the company is funding a specific project of the nonprofit and they are literally delivering, you know, the, the project. But many times nonprofits can bring, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, people are aware of the nonprofit. So they're bringing awareness to the topic. They are bringing constituency. They are bringing, um, you know, increase, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So one of our clients is Habitat for Humanity and they do a, a program called Home is the Key. And there are a variety of non, uh, of co- corporate partners that engage in that campaign. And in that case, what Habitat is bringing to, to it is, you know, obviously the expertise on the issue. Um, but they are also bringing celebrities to the fore, right? So the, the, um, the property brothers are celebrity spokespeople for this event. They are they are investing in a big PR campaign that then the companies receive the spotlight of as a part of that initiative. So instead of building the whole program from scratch on the corporate shoulders, the corporate can engage in a program that the nonprofit is bringing to the marketplace, and there are tremendous amounts of marketing and sales benefits. Okay, so so often the nonprofit brings their own infrastructure. Yes, basically, and and the benefit there is yeah you could do it unilaterally but why are we reinventing the wheel right, right? especially in that case you know they've, they've they've got celebrities which you know most companies want to align with and so forth so and and it sounds like and i appreciate that it it, it sort of depends you know it, it could be as simple also as simply using you know doing co-branding logos trademarks things of that nature so absolutely as i understand it there's really a sort of a whole spectrum of the sky's the limit and of course, another function of that is going to be, you know, how big the nonprofit itself is, right? Yes. The United Way can do more than, say, you know, the local Shambly chapter of St. Vincent de Paul, which is a thrift store that, you know, helps, uh, helps uh, 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 people in poverty in the Shambly area. Yeah, but that's a good example of if, I am a, if I'm a company based in Shambly, you know, St. Yep. Vincent de Paul is going to be more attractive to me because yep. there is an authentic connection between my business and, and that nonprofit's mission. So just to kind of tie that back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, finding the right partner, um, don't forget those local ones yeah. if you're a local company. 
is it is it hard to mix the for profit and non profit cultures? Are there any issues with them sort of having being able to talk the same language? Because not probably there are probably cases where their 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 goals are not a hundred percent aligned all the time. They yes, absolutely one hundred percent of the time they are not one hundred percent aligned. Okay. I can tell you that. Um, they they may come together for a common objective in you know in a particular program or initiative, but it's very important to take into account the respective needs of each of the partners and their business realities, their business resource mixes, their um, their stakeholders, and who they're reporting to. Um, I would say that you could you could make the same argument in any business to business relationship. Relationship building. Whenever you bring two partners together, they're they're going to have different goals and different missions. But I will say the nonprofit environment is more starkly different from a corporate environment. You know, just given the fact that it's a nonprofit. However, um, where you can really bridge that gap is by having very straightforward communication and collaborative planning, and really um, authentic clear conversation. So, you know, business A wants this set of benefits and the nonprofit needs to be able to say, this is what I can do and this is what I can't. And some of those are regulatory related, you know, like for example, a nonprofit can't overly promote a corporate entity or it becomes unrelated business income tax. There are implications for UBIT. So, you know, the company needs to respect the nonprofits, you know, boundaries and vice versa. Okay. And, and to, to that end, um, I believe that some companies will actually create a role inside the company for somebody to be their, in effect, their cause marketing ambassador, their person that represents the company for the nonprofits with whom they cooperate. And I suspect that model can work well because then that, that person is fluent in both languages, basically, if you will. Is that a necessity in your mind? Is that best practices? Can you live without it? Can you talk a little bit about you know, how important that role is? Yeah. So I don't think it needs to be someone's full-time job, but it needs there needs to be someone who's put in charge, if you will, of, of managing the relationships. And so I guess I want to answer this in a couple of different ways. So it, it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't want to dissuade companies that can't afford a full-time position, because you can certainly do this. <laughs> you can have effective partnerships without it being a full-time role. In fact, some of the largest customers, companies that we work with as customers only have a couple of people, and they're doing billions of dollars sometimes of, of good. Um, so you don't have to have a full-time person to get engaged in cause. The other thing I want to say is that We've been doing a piece of research. We've now completed our third cycle of this research with corporate partnership decision makers. And there was a, you know, in the trends and the and the way that the landscape changes, um, there came a time where there was this individual who was responsible. And what we're seeing now is that that's not the case, that it's actually a shared responsibility across many different departments. And so we asked the question in our research, who who from your corporate structure is involved in the decision making? And we found marketing, PR, HR, community relations, C-suite, and sometimes a special committee. So I think that the company needs to make those decisions about where the most natural fits are and don't work in a silo. Um, recognize that you need to engage counterparts from all those departments that I just mentioned in your planning process or you will end up with a silo, and that's not good. Okay. 
So I want to switch gears a little bit. What, what are some trends you're seeing out there that are, for lack of a better term, hot in terms of cause marketing? What are some emerging uh, things that a lot of companies are looking to do, whether it's practices, nature of the causes themselves. What are you seeing out there? Well, so let's talk. Let's let's go back to your first topic of the morning, which was the you know Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, taking on a social issue. That is a trend. Um, it's not for everyone. It's for a select few of brands that have an avant-garde element to their brand personality. But increasingly, we are seeing some companies taking this very strong stance on a particular social impact issue. So that is a trend. And we actually have some resources on that if anyone's interested. But sort of to the more broad-based approach, actually um, a trend is that the United Nations came out with some sustainable development goals and they, I think it was 18 different areas of impact where, you know, United Nation members from around the globe identified 18 common areas that any country needs to be sustainable. So poverty, education, hunger, water, you know, et cetera, and um, health. And what I'm seeing as an increasing trend is that companies are identifying from these sustainable business goals development goals from the um, from United Nations, they're identifying we're going to impact area 2, 8, and 12, whatever their numbers are that they pick. And companies are starting to speak in lingo, <laughs> in that lingo of, well, in, you know, goal 12, we're making these had, you know, these headway, this much headway. So it's, um, it's a, it's a way of really working collaboratively across different corporate segments towards mutually beneficial goals. Does that make sense? Yep. And so that's a trend. And then the other trend that I want, want to want to highlight sort of as a top three trend is the increasing incidence of digital. So um, as our society becomes more and more digitally focused, we are seeing lots more partnership activations in the digital realm. Okay. So, um, uh, and and actually to that end, um, is is there a risk that if I embark on cause marketing and I'm not you know, I'm not doing it yet, is there a risk of it being somehow disruptive to my existing conventional marketing efforts? I imagine there must be some integration issues because I think that's the expertise that you lend. So mm-hmm. if that is true, can you talk about kind of what some of those challenges might be? So how cause could be disruptive to the rest of your business plan? Yeah, or or you know cause marketing is is a different kind of marketing just like digital marketing has become disruptive to more conventional analog methods, right? Mm-hmm. I guess I'm posing a hypothesis that cause marketing has the potential to be similarly disruptive because I think the way you have to go about it, the skill sets required the stakeholders are 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 different, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question is is it fair to characterize this cause marketing as somewhat disruptive? And if so, um, is, is that something that needs to be actively thought about managed by a company that is thinking of pursuing it? So I, I guess the, I guess where this takes my mindset, Michael is to think about, you know, all good things in moderation, right? <laughs> so if you were to abandon, if a company was to abandon some of their traditional marketing methods toward strictly cause, I think they could lose themselves, frankly, in it because they, you know, they need to main, it needs to be a piece of your overall communications or, or employment objectives, not the only thing you do. So, um, 
that that's something that I think you have to you have to like integrate it into a bigger plan as opposed to like for instance for instance if a company suddenly went 100% digital and forgot all their other kinds of marketing those repercussions will be clear i think anybody can understand that analogy so i'm saying the same thing would happen if you if you went too top heavy in cause and maybe i'm honestly just a little too close to it but i don't see it as a risk in general yeah i think it's i do think here's another example of where it could be risky it could have been risky with with Nike, you know, if they don't understand their audience or if they choose a cause activity that doesn't resonate with their target audience, that could become disruptive because they've suddenly have changed their brand personality, probably unintentionally. Right. And, and uh, another example, we've talked about Nike, but Gillette with their Me Too ad about a year and a half ago, right? That that had some ramifications as well. In some cases, some ways stronger, I think. It, uh, if you're thinking of the ad where it was um, the like the gentleman that they were trying to encourage men to be, it wasn't me too. <laughs> well, the, but they, they sort of aligned. Okay. You're the marketing expert. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I've heard it referred to as that. So I, if yeah. it's not, I stand corrected, but I am referring to the ad where they, 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 they try to redefine a sense of what it means to be a man, right? Um, which is a different relationship with women, which is a different relationship with other men, which is different different relationships with people who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is that a fair characterization. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I think that your perception of it is a great example of where it can get dangerous, right? Okay. Because the campaign, in its essence, was designed to to educate supposedly to educate men to to make more responsible choices that consider other people's feelings more like you know the way they raise their sons or the way that they talk to women or whatever that is a great example of a campaign that had a really positive and negative reaction in the marketplace um i think they've I haven't seen it lately, so I don't know if they've withdrawn or gone back to the drawing board or exactly where they stand on that. But I don't think they expected that big of a reaction on the negative side. So that's a good example of really needing to understand your target audience. And if your target audience, if a portion of your target audience resonates with that, you know, you know, that could be a strategic decision. It could have been a mistake. And I don't know because I wasn't involved. And so I don't know the inner workings. Right. But I'll give you another example. And I don't feel comfortable saying who it is because it was a business to business conversation. Yep. But it was a it, it was again, it was a, a company that targets men. And they had decided to in their own way, try to redefine how men relate to their emotions. This was, you know, the stance that this brand took was we're going to teach men that it's okay to be in touch with their emotions. And um, they did some post, you know, some post campaign uh, research and, and their audience didn't like it. Mm. They're like, don't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. So you really do need to understand your audience. And especially if you're going for something that's provocative or brand changing, potentially could have people make have a different perception of your brand. Those are good examples of where it can be very disruptive. So what could, what could they have done differently? They could have picked a, those are also cases where there was no cause. There was no nonprofit partner. They're just stating like, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that sounds exactly right. So if they, if they want it to 
generate something, maybe that would have been a good time to find a partner that has a mission that they could say, we're supporting their mission, not we're changing who we are. Interesting. Okay. So, um, and, and to that point about, about picking partners, um, I, I would imagine not all partners are created equal, right? And even, even if you identify with a partner's potential cause, mm-hmm. they may not be the right partner for you. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, and and so, sometimes there can be a size mismatch. You know, an interesting story, you know, one, one cause I pay some attention to is uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease research, mm-hmm. ALS Society, uh, ALS Association. And, and um, uh, you know, as, as everybody knows, we had the, the ice bucket campaign, um, which I did. And boy, ice water's cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, – an interesting thing about that was that all of a sudden the ALS Association of America came into a windfall of about $130 million. Mm-hmm. They just not have, did not have the infrastructure right. to manage that kind of cash, right? Their, their organization had to completely reorient to make sure that that, that money was used well, right, and wisely. Um, can that be an issue in the cause marketing space too? Maybe there's a size mismatch or just – fundamental characteristics of certain nonprofits that may not make it a good partner, even if you agree with the cause. Yeah. So I just want to go back um, just to clarify for a moment about the wonderful, fabulous ice bucket challenge phenomenon. That was not cause marketing. Oh, I understand. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure your listeners understand that that is an example of a movement that, that caught wind. And I think every, every nonprofit in the world, dreams of having that problem <laughs> of sure. creating that magic in a bottle, you know, where they can, um, they can create something. A, another beautiful example uh, of something that was a game changer is cystic fibrosis. So yep. they literally invested in research and the research paid off. <laughs> and so they become, they became a part owner of a, of a pharmaceutical product that serves Cystic fibrosis, I might not be getting this 100% right. I think that sounds right. I've I've read that. And it created just a a tremendous amount of income. So I think it's it's incumbent on the nonprofit board to be prepared with this is our plan and this is our plan if we grow this much and this is our plan if we grow that much, you know, so that they are strategically staying aligned to their mission and bringing that to life. In terms of a cause program that that just has taken off and changes the direction, I think I can't think of a real example, but I can tell you that you know if if the nonprofit um, or if the message of the campaign was focused on a a tiny issue and then you had too much funding and you couldn't spend all that on the issue, I think it's really important to make sure that the focus area is broad enough that you're not going to get into that topic. So. It gives me the chance to say this. Many times companies decide that they want to create impact on a particular subset of a, of a bigger issue. And sometimes it's better just to help the broader issue and not get so singularly focused on this small little piece. Sure. Yeah, because even if, if, if say, Coca-Cola decided they were going to just hook up the fire hose and dump you know $10 million into that St. Vincent de Paul charity in Shambly, right, mm-hmm. they'd be overwhelmed. Right. Most likely. And it wouldn't work very well for everybody. So, right. you know, not just picking not just the cause, the bullet point I want to kind of tease out, and I think we're doing that, is that picking the partner for a match is just as important as picking the cause. Is that fair? Uh, picking the partner, um, 
that is delivering into the mission space that you're Correct. interested in. That's okay. right. Yes, yes, I do agree with that. And an example that I wanted to um, share, you know, when you think about that. So let's say that your organization, you know, one that many of us know is breast cancer, right? Yep. So lots of people want to support breast cancer. And, you know, you really need to do homework on your nonprofit partner because, you know, there's one breast cancer organization that works, let's say, on funding research, and there's a different breast cancer organization whose mission is to serve people who currently are dealing with breast cancer and make it easier for them, make it help them get to their doctor's appointments or things like that. And yet a third breast cancer organization is all about prevention messaging and warning signs and things like that. So really look at what it is you're trying to accomplish within the mission space and make sure that you're finding the right partner who will help you with that particular goal. Not, not all nonprofits – focus on exactly the same things, yeah. even even if they're all about, say, breast cancer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, many of them are, are nuanced, and the, the cause itself is so big that there are subsectors of that cause, in effect. That's right. Well, Molly, we're, we're running out of time, um, but this has been great. I've learned a lot, and if I've learned a lot, I'm confident at least some of our listeners have learned something. So, so thank you for doing this. Um, there's a lot more we could talk about. I've only gotten through about half the questions I want to talk about today. <laughs> But that, that's a good thing. How can people contact you if they want to find out more about this and explore maybe this for their own business, their own nonprofit? Okay, great. Well, so, you know, I have been working in this space for a very, very long time, so I'm hyper interested in it. And as a part of our return to the community, we conduct research every year into different factors of um, how to bring a cause partnership to life. What sorts of benefits can you seek and things like that. So I, I hope that some of your listeners might find it of interest to go to our website, to our resource page and download some of our free resources. So that's for momentum, F O R momentum.com backslash resources. If you have specific questions for us, there's a contact us page. We'd love to hear from you. Be more than happy to help direct you to resources or point answer questions, things like that. That's just a part of our giving it back to the industry <laughs> practices kind of things. But I do want to, I, I do want to shout out to a couple of others in the cause landscape that I think produce excellent resources for the listeners. So um, engage for good is, is the association of people in this profession. Um, and they do a fantastic job of constantly bringing, you know, information to light. Um, they have research resources, they have free webinars, they have newsletters for free that listeners can sign up for. And a third one that I would mention is a newsletter called Selfish Giving. And um, it's produced by a guy out of Boston named Joe Waters, who's a pal of mine, and he is really funny. And so most of his, his, um, you know, articles have, have some entertainment flair to them as well, but really, really great examples. And he tends to focus a lot on small companies. So, you know, some of your listeners, if, if they're not the Nikes of the world, but they're a more moderate size company, they might find uh, Joe's content very realistic. Very good. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Molly Ray so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Brady Ware and Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. 